by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. It's March Mania at Sports Interaction. NHL, NBA, March Madness, MLB, and so much more. It's bananas. You can play Pinata Picks and Minute Madness, exclusive games with insane odds that you can't play anywhere else. Make your next bet with Sports Interaction. Download the app in Ontario, use the QR code at the bottom of the screen, or head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN to get started. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Hey Canucks fans and hey hockey fans, welcome to Game Over Vancouver. I am your host, Canuck Clay, Clay Emo. It's a night where the Vancouver Canucks dominated the Anaheim Ducks beating them by a score of 2-1, to one, continuing their dominance over the California teams. I'll get to that in a second. Quinn Hughes continuing his dominance. I'll definitely get to that in a second. And most importantly, I'm thrilled that all of you are here. So it's just me going solo tonight. Just like the Canucks, I went back-to-back this weekend. So uh, had a really nice show with Dennis Bernstein covering the LA Kings yesterday. And then you have me all by my lonesome tonight, but that means it's still going to be fun. It's still going to be interactive and I'll have plenty of time to get to some of your questions for sure. So as we get started, let's, uh, I'm going to invite you to subscribe to this SDPN YouTube channel. That stands for Steve Dangle Podcast Network. If you haven't figured that out yet, I invite you to like this video. There's already about 20 of you in here, which is awesome. Let's get the likes up. I only see one like, but that might be my browser. So like the video, like the fact that Canucks won if you are indeed a Canucks fan. If you want to, you can also subscribe to me right here on YouTube at Canuck Clay. I also have that moniker on Twitter, Canuck Clay as well. And make sure you check out all the links that are in our descriptions. Everything from merchandise to, to where you can find this on a podcast platform and everything like that. By the way, if you're listening to this later on a podcast, make sure you rate and review as well. So this is what I'm going to do tonight, I think. I'm going to recap the game for the first 10 to 15 minutes. Then for the, my second segment, I want to talk about Quinn Hughes and just uh, make this like kind of like a Quinn Hughes appreciation vlog a little bit just because of, of what he's been doing, what he means to this team. And I want to talk specifically about Quinn Hughes and how he fits in the future of the Vancouver Canucks and looking at the strength of the core of this team. So that'll be my second segment. And then uh, I'll leave some time to answer some of your questions as well at the end of the show. Now, the Canucks were playing on the tail end of a back-to-back, their third game in four nights, all in this quick road trip that started with a loss in Arizona, then a win, an improbable win against LA last night, and then tonight's win as well. And it was it was kind of like a, a carbon copy, but reverse of last night's game in that the tonight the Canucks dominated the shot clock. They dominated the game and then uh, the Ducks had a bit of life at the end, but weren't able to make it all the way to the end. Whereas last night, LA dominated the Canucks, and the Canucks uh, with on the strength of Pedersen's third period goal last night, and then a good showing, of course, in extra time, the Canucks were able to squeak out that victory. So the Canucks end off their road trip at two and one, so four out of a possible six points. Of course, I get it. I get that most people don't want the Canucks to be winning right now. They'd rather us better our chances to win the draft lottery and have a shot at Connor Bedard. But I've been saying this on my shows a lot. I think I've said it on here as well. If the Canucks play average, 
They don't try and tank intentionally because I don't think players do that. But they don't, they don't, I don't even want to say they don't try to win because they always try to win. So let's just say the Canucks play average. Their average is a lot better than almost every other team that's below them in the standings. Anaheim, San Jose, Columbus, Chicago, Montreal, uh, Philly, all these type of teams, Arizona, you'd think, even though we lost to Arizona, generally, on average, and remember, that doesn't account for one-offs, but on average, the Canucks will win more than they'll lose against these other teams, these other teams that are supposedly in the in the hunt for for Connor Bedard. So uh, a long time ago, it, it took, you guys know, it took me so long to even acknowledge uh, and use the word tank in my vocabulary. But as a mature Canucks fan, I'm able to recognize what that means and how a perceived tank, an actual tank, um, an actual, uh, whatever it is. I knew that this was the year where you wouldn't mind if you lost a few more games than you won. Like I'm, I get that. I, I, I'm smart enough to realize that. I think a lot of Canucks fans still want the Canucks to win, no matter what, um, because they want to. They want the players to do well. They want the coaches to do well. Players are playing for jobs. Coaches are trying to implement systems. And then when they come out of the gate in October next year, they're not falling behind and out of the playoff race by November, which was crazy this year. So I get all these things, and I, I get that. Um, you guys know I've always said I will never tell someone how to be a fan. I will never tell someone how to how to spend their money, their time, and their energy. Because you guys know. I spend a lot of time, energy, and money on this team for better or for worse. So let's get into the game. Um, JT Miller starts the starts the the scoring nine minutes into the game, and this was a, a drop pass party. It was Pedersen gaining the line, doing a nice little behind the back drop pass to Hughes, kind of almost from the middle to the side. Then Hughes, much like they do on their power plays. Does a nice little drop pass to Miller. Sometimes Miller drop passes it to Hughes. And Miller had a, a wicked shot. Puts it past John Gibson, who had a heck of a game. 40 shots on goal, and he saved 38 of them. So JT Miller gets the Canucks off to a fast start halfway through the first period. Then the Canucks double their lead. Par, <coughs> excuse me, power play goal in the second period. And similar um, to last night's power play goal from PD. Just kind of walks down that side and rips it, rips it past John Gibson. I'm not sure if this one went posted. I think this one went high, but still, it was a wonderful shot. It's when Petey gets that shot off and when it's not blocked or deflected, uh, um, really, really tough to stop, obviously. And it was so, so impressive. That's why he won the hardest shot competition, even though he he didn't do a slap shot today. So uh, the Canucks make it two nothing. And nice to see a Canucks power play goal. Then, continuing the trend of one goal per period, in the third period, Ryan Strom's uh, scores. Yeah, you know, I was actually washing dishes when it happened, so I heard Shorthouse talking about um, in a Miller giveaway. I, I look back at it, and yes, both Miller and Myers had chances to clear the puck, but it wasn't brutal. It wasn't, it was just one of those things that happened in a hockey game, so I'm not sitting here and going to blame Miller for that goal or blame Myers for that goal. Sometimes the bounces don't go your way. And Strom, you can even argue that Colin Dealer should have saved that because it was actually a, a bank a bank shot off of his pad and goes in. So it's fine. It's fine. The 2-1. And then the, the Ducks didn't really press after that. The Canucks had a couple. Uh, Brock Bester, Dakota Joshua, both had chances at the empty net. Heck, Anaheim almost scored in their, their own empty net themselves. 
So overall, uh, didn't seem to to be a lot of lot of risk. There wasn't a big risk that the the Ducks were gonna tie this game up. And even if they did, I, I like uh, I like the Canucks' chances in extra time. They seem to have a lot of uh, luck and a lot of uh, skill and a lot of um, uh, a good momentum when they get to extra time. You look at the team stats. The Canucks outshot the Ducks forty to eighteen, so they outshot them by a margin of two to one. Faceoffs fifty eight percent to forty two percent for the Canucks. Special teams, the Canucks win that battle. They go one for four. The Ducks go zero for three, and then the Canucks out hit the the Ducks thirteen eleven. It wasn't really too, a big uh, hitting game. Eleven block shots each, and then the giveaways were Ducks ten, Canucks seven. Now this is. This set, I'm not sure of because I watched that game. I don't know if you guys know or you guys noticed this too. The Anaheim Ducks give the puck up a lot. Now, I get it. Maybe they're not trying and maybe they're not giving it to Zegers and Troy Terry to carry it out of their zone. But man, they sure have trouble getting the puck out of their own zone. And then you look at the individual stats. The guys who have been carrying this team, JT Miller, Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes, all three of them, some combination of permutation of them so they each get two points miller 101 pd 101 hughes with two assists and those that's it those were the three guys that got points and those are the three guys that you'd expect to get points miller had four shots on goal pd had four shots on goal bevilia had five shots on goal hughes had four shots on goal hits noah juleson with five hits being quietly impressed by juleson's game a couple blocks a couple giveaways here and there. So overall, not really, not really an eventful game. In fact, uh, John and John were talking about that it wasn't that eventful, especially in the third period where there's a lot of skating, but there wasn't a lot of shots. You had that Joshua hit on Troy Terry, then Zegers gave Joshua a big whack. But overall, it wasn't really that rough of a game. It wasn't that eventful of a game. And then you look, and now the Canucks um have won another game they go back to back and and john and john were joking about this in the in the broadcast that it looked like the canucks were the team that did not play yesterday that were arrested and it looked like the ducks were the team that were playing on the tail end of a back-to-back a couple other things the canucks continue their mastery of california-based teams i believe this is the 10th straight win over the three California teams, Anaheim, San Jose, and LA. I know. I think we've only played LA once, right? Uh, we got to play them two more times still. Maybe we've, we've played them twice, but we've, we haven't lost to them. We obviously haven't lost to Anaheim. And then um, there's that 8-5 that one way back in October, November, then another one in Vancouver, and then this one. We, we know that San Jose can't beat us. So it, it's funny. When they put up the graphic of longest win streaks against California-based teams, LA was in there too. <laughs> Even though... <clears throat> even though they're a California-based team, obviously, but that that was, I guess, um, showing their dominance over San Jose and Anaheim. So it, it's kind of um, surprising, actually, that we've been able to play so well against LA, given how well they're they're playing. They're basically battling for the top spot, not just in the Pacific, but the entire Western Conference. So um, overall, I'd say the Canucks were full value for this win. And when you look at the what happens overall with this, you look at the other teams that the Canucks are chasing, in the chasing, or I'd say in the bottom nine of the league, you had the Blue Jackets got blitzed by Vegas seven to two. You had the Blues win three nothing, 
and you had the Canucks beat the Ducks. So you throw it all in there. And now when you look at it, the Canucks are in 25th. So that's still eighth worst in the league. They've now, just as St. Louis won yesterday, they pull into a tie with St. Louis once again with 67 points in 69 games. So going backwards, uh, no, we'll go from the top. Yeah, backwards. Columbus has 49, San Jose has 52, Chicago has 54, and Anaheim has 56. That's kind of the first tier that I always talk about, the really bad teams, Columbus, San Jose, Chicago, and Anaheim. The next tier, um, I'd say, is Montreal and Philly, and then Arizona and Vancouver and St. Louis are, and are slowly separating themselves from that. And they're actually two points behind Detroit, even though Detroit has one game in hand. So I... I kind of don't. I don't mind when the Canucks win. I'm not the type that was cheering against them. Again, as I as I established, I get what happens every time they win. So I I don't want them to win too much, but I still think they're going to finish around eighth or ninth in the in the uh, final standings for sure. Last thing I'll, I'll I'll talk about before I get to my second part of the um, second part of the stream, the second segment is, yeah, PD with his two points, now up to 88 points on the season, and Hughes with his two assists, up to 65 points on the season, which, uh, and including five, and those five, those 65 points are made up of five goals and 60 assists. So I want to talk about Quinn Hughes now, as soon as, um, to start off my second segment, and we're just going to talk about just how good of a player he is, and maybe how, believe it or not, how underrated he is. So let's do that now. So that's a wrap on the game. The Canucks now come home and they host the Vegas Golden Knights on Tuesday night. All right, friends, let's, for this middle segment, I do want to talk about Quinn Hughes first and then lead into a chat about the the core of this team. And then for the third segment, I would love to turn it over to you and answer any questions that you have about anything that I say or or any observations you had about the game or about Quinn Hughes or about this this core that I want to talk about. So like I said, Quinn Hughes had two assists today. Now he's at five goals, 60 assists, 65 points for this season, which is outstanding. So a couple of things. He becomes... There's only a few defensemen that have recorded 60 straight assists. Sorry. Let's try that again. There's only a few defensemen that have recorded 60 assists in consecutive seasons. And then he's the first one to do it. Remember, defenseman, not forward. First defenseman to have 60 assists in two consecutive seasons um, since Ray Bork, who actually had five of them from um, 1989 to 1993 seasons. And then Paul Coffey from 93 to 90, uh, 92 to 94. So you put him in the same breath as Ray Bork and Paul Coffey when it comes to consecutive 60 points, 60 assist seasons. You know, that's so confusing. Let me, let's try that one more time. And it's going to be unequivocally exactly what I want to say. Quinn Hughes becomes the first defenseman to record back-to-back 60 assist seasons since, there we go. That's much better. Since Ray Bork and Paul Coffey, who did it in the same season, 93-94. But what's even more impressive, you guys, that, that stat's very impressive, obviously. In NHL history, NHL history, not just the last decade, not just the last two decades, in NHL history, Quinn Hughes has a third highest assist per game of all defensemen. 
NHL history. The only two guys ahead of him, Bobby Orr, considered the best defenseman of all time and one of the top five players of all time, and Paul Coffey, who I just mentioned with Ray Bork as being in the 60 assist con- consecutive 60 assist club. That's it. Bobby Orr has a 0.98 assist per game, which is crazy. Paul Coffey has a 0.806 assist per game. And Quinn Hughes just jumped over Kale McCarr to earn third place. So, And these two players, I think, are going to be battling all for their entire careers when it comes to this kind of stat. Because now with Hughes, he's got an average of 0.762 assists per game, something like 225 assists in 269 games or whatever it is. And then Kale McCarr is at 760. So Hughes is at 762. McCarr's at 760. McCarr gets one assist next game, and then he basically jumps. So again, I think Hughes and McCarr are going to be battling each other for that spot for their entire careers because then there's a big drop-off. There's Ray Bork at 0.725 assists per game, and then even a bigger drop-off after that, Adam Fox, who's still who's still, um, who's still still active, obviously, and then Pot, Ben, McInnes, Reinhardt, and Leach. So that's pretty cool to think that three of the top six players are young players, stars of the NHL right now in Hughes, McCarr, and Fox when it comes to assists per game. And Quinn Hughes only behind Bobby Orr and Paul Coffey right now in in NHL history. That is pretty impressive. When you think about that, uh, I think that is worth noting, and I think that is worth appreciating. Now, the interesting thing is we see Quinn Hughes. He, he's obviously worked on his, his defensive game. He's a plus 15, probably more now. He's probably a plus 17 now. No one was on the power play. So let's go with plus 16. These aren't, haven't been updated yet. So let's imagine that he's a plus 16 right now. In his career, his plus minus, rookie season, minus 10. Well, his full season, minus 10. Then he had a horrible minus 24. And that was the, the bubble year. And then it's been 10. And then, sorry, the bubble year was minus 10. Then it was, uh, the shortened season was minus 24. Last year was plus 10. And this year he's at plus 16. So obviously there's that one blip, that one horrible year. Canucks were horrible that year. That was the all Canadian division, but he's been a lot better. Plus 10, plus 16 this season. And we obviously we marvel at his offensive play. We marvel how he never um, seems to lose composure, how he becomes almost a fourth or fifth forward on the power play. Sometimes how he, he is edge work, how he walks. He's not the fastest skater A to B, but he sure is uh, nifty. He sure is excellent edge work, pivoting, is able to hold the puck in, especially on the power play. He's able to do amazing things. Usually you either go this way or that way. Houston go anyway um, and really shake off opposing forwards, which I'm sure would be very frustrating if, if you were trying to check him. So that's Petey's offensive game. But slowly we've seen him. He's never going to be the biggest guy. He's never going to be the strongest guy. But you can do a lot with footwork, with with stick positioning, body positioning. And I think Hughes is uh, getting better, a lot better in that regard as well. And I can't wait to see what happens when you when a, a healthy Philip Hronick joins the joins the squad, and then you can just uh, not even protect Hughes. You don't have to protect him, but simply dictate even uh, more matchups with him on the ice. So I think the sky's the limit offensively for Hughes. Defensively, he's a lot better, and I think that bodes well for the Vancouver Canucks going forward. So, which leads me to the other part I want to talk about really quickly. This season is a wash, despite the Canucks winning eight of their last 10 <laughs> and playing under a playoff pace under Rick Tockett. 
Tell me if you've seen this before. Although I will say, I do think the Canucks are winning better and have better form in this year's wins than last year under the Boudreaux bump. That's, but that's just me, maybe. But you need a core of players when you factor in their age, their salary, and and um, their chemistry, and obviously their skill. And you need a, a core to to build a dynasty not even dynasty to win a Stanley cup to compete. And we don't have to go through every single team in the league, but you look at the last few cup winners, obviously Colorado has a wonderful core of McKinnon, of Landeskog, of Rantanen and Makar. Devon Taves, maybe you say in there. And then, and then they have uh, obviously a lot of really good supporting cast. I wouldn't, I can't even name a goalie that would be part of that core because they, they change them all the time. Tampa had their core of Vasilevsky, Hedman, Kucherov, Stamkos, and then all the ones that kind of, um, you know, and guys like Sorelli and Palat who, who moved on, you, you know, so they had some really good players that when you have a really good core, sometimes you, you have to price other players out. You look at Edmonton, I know not as successful, but obviously that core is McDavid and Dreisaitl. Actually, I don't know what happens after that. Would you, who would you mention, uh, uh, you know, defenseman core? And then you look at the best teams in the league right now, Boston, their core is obviously Allmark, McAvoy, Marshawn, Krejci, Bergeron. Now they are old, but it still counts as a core, even though that core is on the is on the tail end. And one core that you saw that broke uh, didn't break apart, but fell off the cliff. But they did; they were dominant for so long. Was the one that had you could argue Crawford, Taves, Kane, Sharp, Keith, and Seabrook in Chicago. So my point is, if you want to be a good team, you have to have a good core. And this is something that um, Dennis and I were talking about yesterday when he was talking about the LA Kings and their emergence. So this is what I want to ask you to lead into the third segment is considering everything I just said about Quinn Hughes, I think no one would argue. And yes, I get players can be traded at any time, depending if something bad happens or if there's a contract dispute or if, uh, if, if the Canucks, if a team gets an offer that they absolutely can't, can't refuse but i i think it'd be safe to say that the core for the vancouver canucks right now you would have counted horvat here's a good example horvat uh, a year ago and definitely two years ago i would never thought would have been gone from the scene but he is so you could argue that the core is pd hughes and demko one good player at each position at least one superstar at each position or one elite player whatever term you want to use and i think we don't have to argue that um and they've they've all shown it in the past weekend that demko pd and hughes those three are definitely make up the core of the team. So this isn't a question. Well, I guess I'll throw it to you. Uh, we can debate about who else would be in that core. I would consider JT Miller as part of that core, especially if you don't trade him before July 1st, because he's here for the next seven seasons at $8 million. So I would add JT Miller to that core. He basically replaces Brock Besser. I'm uh, sorry, replaces Bo Horvat in that core. And then there's guys that you're not sure. Kuzmenko's only signed for two more years. Bester's only signed for two more years. I, I get it. PD's only signed for one more year, but we expect to fully extend them. Expect to. So my my core for the Canucks right now, for better or for worse, is Demko, PD, Hughes, and JT Miller. Then strong secondary players could be Kuzmenko, could be Bester still, could be Philip Hronik, and others like that. So that's where I draw the line, though, is, is naming my core four. And you know this before, but I think the core for the Canucks for me is PD, Demko, Hughes, and Miller. And then with Kuzmenko, Besser, and Hronik, just from skill, even though we haven't seen Hronik play, 
that's kind of like my next tier sort of thing. And maybe Plot Colson becomes part of that core, but um, I, I think we can say that he's not there right now. So I'm going to turn it over to all of you now for the last segment. We'll go for five or 10 minutes. I want to know anything about this game, anything about uh, Quinn Hughes and just maybe appreciating him, like I mentioned. And um, your thoughts on this core talk that I've, I've talked about for the last few minutes is who would you consider the Canucks core? And in your opinion, is it good enough to compete? Obviously, with the big presumption that Alvin and Rutherford build around the core properly and, and wisely and not doing anything too silly. So let's get to the chat now. I can I can hang around for another five or ten minutes. Would love to know what you guys think about any of these things. The game, Quinn Hughes, or the Canucks core. Fangirl says, for sure, PD, Hughes, and Demko could be the team's core. And then and then you would add Miller or Besser to make the top four. That's fine. Thank you, Fangirl. I obviously I agree with that for sure. That's that kind of echoes what I said. I because of contract and just importance to the team. Uh, for me, I do put Miller in there as well, and you're saying it could be Miller or Besser, but that is a great uh, that is uh, you know a great point. So thank you for that. I would love to hear others um, some of your opinions as well. Tell me about Quinn Hughes. Does he have another level to go to? Tell me about tonight's game and the kind of most recent win streak. Uh, well, they won the last two. They've won eight of the last 10. And tell me what you think about the Canucks core. Do you agree with me that it's those four guys? Or as Fangirl said, you agree with the first three, P.D. Hughes and Demko, and then you're still not certain about who that fourth one is going to be. And I do recognize there's about a 20-second delay between what I'm saying and what you guys, uh, how you guys type. It's just the, the delay that's set up on this on this channel. So I will give you guys a few minutes to, to enter in the chat. As like Fangirl said, come on, people chat. But if not, if you're not in a chatty mood, that's fine. Um, okay, so Olivia, thank you, Olivia, says Kuzmenko instead of Besser. So Olivia, that, that, I'm, that's fine with me. I would agree that I think Kuzmenko has almost replaced Besser in terms of um, the fans, captivating the fans' hearts, in, in terms of production, even playing on, on Pedersen's line that was kind of Besser spot for uh, off and on for the past few years but Olivia when you say Kuzmenko instead of Besser um, are you saying that where do you put him after the big three of, of Hughes Demko and Petey is that your number four already Kuzmenko or would you agree with me that you actually have Miller in there as well let me know David says I consider Petey Hughes and Demko as the Canucks core although that core is small when I think of the Habs core I think of Suzuki Savard Drouin and maybe Montembeau. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, David. I, I don't want to put players in there just to have a player at each position. But admittedly, I don't know a lot about Montembeau. Is he supposed to be good? I know he wasn't good when I saw Montreal play against Vancouver here in November. But again, no one was really good. Well, the offensive players were really good. But none of the goalies were good that night. So I will, um, you know, I'll, I'll take your word for it for sure. Coach Rob says, Pedersen and Demko and Hughes... And Kuzmenko. So, okay, another vote for maybe making Kuzmenko as the, the fourth player in that core. And that one's really interesting because we know that Kuzmenko has signed that two-year contract extension. And I think I really think that extension is going to age well for the Canucks because 
He's, he's obviously having an amazing season right now. We don't know if that's going to keep up. We hope it was. But after the season, we have him for uh, two years at 5.5, which is basically what Horvat was making. So I don't mind that. I don't mind that. It's it's not too expensive in my mind for what he's doing on this team. So thank you for that comment, Coach Rob. appreciate that. Adam says, Canucks should sign Tarasenko this offseason. Hmm, how much is he though? How much is he going to be? What kind of contract is he coming off of? And yes, I know uh, we have a lot of your Russian players on this team, but we also have a lot of wingers. In fact, the wingers is probably the one position we have too much of. We don't have enough good defensemen. We don't have enough uh, good centers. So um, I believe Tarasenko is a winger, right? He's not a center. So um, I haven't heard a lot of thought that way, but that is an interesting thought for sure. Fangirl says, do you think Tockett even had a media availability, a media availability pregame? The Canucks didn't post one on Twitter. I thought I saw a naughty second one, but I, I agree with you, Fangirl. I, this trip's been weird. I don't think a, a lot of media went because all the all the media availability I've seen has been Craig McEwen, CMAC, the, the communications director of the Canucks. So I haven't even, I know Brendan Batcher doesn't go to road games. Um, I know it doesn't sound like I've heard Patrick Johnson, Daniel Wagner, Dan Murphy's there, but he doesn't really do. So it's kind of interesting. All the ones that the Canucks have posted on this road trip have been short, 90 seconds, two minutes. And usually it's only Craig McEwen and then the, uh, some of the road reporters. So I think, I actually think it's, uh, I don't know this, but I think it's because of spring break. I think, um, I think a lot of the ones that we hear on the radio, uh, sorry, on TV, in these media availabilities for the Canucks, uh, they may have young children. And therefore, if it's spring break, maybe they didn't want to travel. Although I, I'd want to travel to California, but my kids are older now. They're 21, 19, and 15. Great question, fangirl. Um, I don't know if he had a pregame. And if so, I haven't seen it. And, and I do know it seems like the Canucks, at least from a media perspective, are really, really small crew that traveled on this trip. Montebo between him and Allen has a lower goals against and a higher save percent. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. I just don't know how good he is, David. Murray, Hughes, Demko, Petey, Kuzmenko, and the D-man that's injured. <laughs> okay. So there's another vote for Kuzmenko ahead of Miller. Hughes, Dem... And hello, I know you're in New Zealand, Murray. Thanks for being here. Hughes, Demko, Pedersen, Kuzmenko, and Philip Hronik. I can't wait to see what Hronik can do. I just want to see what he can do. He's been skating back on his own in Vancouver. So maybe he rejoins the team for practices this week. That would be great. And Tarasenko is on a $7.5 million cap. Yes, Fangirl. So that would be a no-fly zone for me for sure. Okay, this is the last call-out for questions, you guys, about the game or questions or comments about the game, about Quinn Hughes and his amazing play moving to third place in, in NHL history on assists per game for defensemen. And then um, let's talk about this core of the Canucks core. Who's in it and will they be good enough going forward? So I'll give you two more minutes and then I will wrap up this show. By the way, if you want more Canuck clay goodness, I stream every night and tonight because it's Sunday night. Uh, I start half an hour early. So if you want to join me right here on YouTube, look up Canuck clay and I'll be streaming tonight at 1030 Pacific. And then every other day, well, at least four days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I stream at 11 o'clock Pacific. 
And then I have a couple uh, game over shows sprinkled in in between. Speaking of which, it will be Kaya on the mic on Tuesday night as the Canucks return home to host the Vegas Golden Knights. So make sure you join Kaya on on here for Game Over Vancouver on Tuesday after the Canucks play the Knights. Lastly, I see uh, Coach Robs with Shannon. Shannon says, P.D. Hughes, Demko, and Besser. Yeah, I know there's a lot of love for Besser. I just don't know if he's good enough now and and makes that contract look good enough to be considered part of the core. But I do know there's a lot of love for Besser out there in in Canucks in the Canucks fandom for sure. Okay, friends, thanks for joining me. So on your way out, subscribe to this video. No, subscribe to this video. Subscribe to this channel, SDPN. Like this video. That's what I meant to say. You can also follow and subscribe to me on YouTube at Canuck Clay. And I have my own live stream in two hours from now at 1030 Pacific. In the meantime, get ready. Canucks traveling home now, hosting the Vegas Golden Knights on Tuesday to kick off a small homestand. So thanks for being here. I hope you enjoy the rest of your Sunday. And I, as always, I ask you to stay safe, to stay healthy, to take care of yourselves, and take care of each other. And I, some of you know this. I'm so excited. My lovely wife, Gail, and I, this summer, we are going to celebrate 15 years of happy marriage. Yes. Too bad it will be our 23rd wedding anniversary. Take care and go Canucks go. Good night, everyone. Game over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.